welcome to Drink 4 dot dot dot, the podcast that combines a lifelong film infatuation with an overarching love of drink. An interactive journey that encourages the incorrigible while providing an intoxicating alternative to a night out. Think Netflix and chill without the chill, perhaps without the Netflix. And on this, International Women's Week, definitely without the strange implications of sex. Who knows, maybe we'll learn something along the way, or at the very least, have a bit of immature fun. Welcome back, everybody. I, of course, am your host, Jordan Brooks, as you can tell by my voice and by the fact that this is called Drink For Dot 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 with Jordan Brooks. I, I, I respect your agency and your intelligence enough is that you know my name. I, I don't know. I'm rambling at this point. This is good. It's a good start for this week's wonderful episode, part two of our Meta March series, episode 37, in which we will, again, with your agency, have already assumed we are watching Spike Jones' 2002 Meta Masterpiece adaptation with a period. You have to have a period at the end, because that's in the actual title. For those of you who haven't seen it before, this is the film that Charlie Kaufman wrote for Jones after they collaborated on Being John Malkovich, in which Kaufman is struggling to adapt Susan Orlean's book, The Orchid Thief, into his next Hollywood smash hit film. You do get a lot of interesting flashes to Charlie Kaufman sitting in on Jones's production of Being John Malkovich, and you get a lot of behind the scenes intertwinings with Hollywood and, and what it's like for writers in the industry, especially after a breakout success like Being John Malkovich, what it takes to stay in the industry and to stay sane. Hence, its place in Meta March. Nothing more meta than that. A film about writing a film. We're really in for a treat. Before we get into the meat of it, we should go over the format a little bit for new listeners. As I've just done, I will introduce the film, along with little bits of trivia, maybe a little bit of plot, but mostly the plot's up for you to uh, to really find for yourself, because I'm not going to tell you the plot, because it, it turns out drunk me doesn't really care what happened in the film. It's more of an exploration of how I feel about it. And so you kind of need to have, one, either already seen it, and then uh, listen, or you need to play the game with me. Now, after I briefly introduce the film, I will give drinking rules for that particular film, the mainstay of which are drink for drinking, drink for death, drink for blood, and drink for fighting. Those are widely up to interpretation, and you can do whatever you want with those. Then I'm going to give you some film-specific drinking rules that will help to either pinpoint certain parts of filmic construction, character development, fun side things, or other things that I think deserve a little more attention. Uh, obviously, what that all boils down to is they're mainly for you to get wildly drunk or not wildly drunk. I try to, uh, to leave that mainly up to you because I'm not going to control how much or how little you decide to drink, but maybe in hearing the rules, you'll at least jot down uh, mental notes about when the various filmic ticks, if you were, begin to occur. Then you're going to experience a 90-second ad break. I'm going to experience a long drinking session, during which I will watch the film 
drink for the rules because I'm not a dirty hypocrite. Then I'm going to come back talking even slower than I am now. Gotta have huge pauses in there for me to be able to think up really nicey words because I'm a, I'm, I'm a smart man. And then, you know, we're going to shoot the shit for some, some amount of time that I deem necessary for each film. We'll see how long I can talk about adaptation. I'm sure uh, you could look down at your phone right now and see the length of this episode. Know exactly how long I did that. Backtracking a little bit and rescinding some of my earlier promises, I will, I guess, briefly describe adaptation because it is a little, uh, it, it does get sort of bogged down in its own genius and you do need to watch it in order to, to fully, I guess, understand how simple it is and yet how complex its structure ends up being when it's done. He, um, Nicolas Cage stars as the writer, Charlie Kaufman, and his brother, Donald. And Charlie Kaufman is hired by somebody. I don't know how it works. I'm not in Hollywood. If I was, would I have a bad podcast? No, I'd probably have a very well-produced podcast. And yet, we're both here, aren't we? And... Charlie Kaufman has to adapt Susan Orlean's novel about orchids. Her novel is about Chris Cooper's John LaRoche, who is a toothless Floridian man with multiple obsessions from pornography to turtles to fish to his mother to orchids. Uh, sort of dropping one when he finds the other. Meryl Streep plays Susan Orlean, and we sort of get flashes to the novel told in, in, a, in quite a bit of voiceover about her explorations and meetings with John LaRoche. And with these, this sort of bifurcated narrative, the Charlie Kaufman trying to write a movie based on a book, we get the weaving of Orleans' words and her experiences and Charlie's writing and reading of those words and his own understanding of her experiences. And we get the toil of sitting down in front of a keyboard and trying to write with all the self-doubt and the poison that goes through so many of our heads when we really think that that we're in over our head and, and we're not quite good enough. The imposter syndrome that plagues so many of us and Susan Orlean's successful New York Times life where she gets to go and explore John LaRoche's silly version of Florida and have dinner parties sort of mocking him up north and uh, Charlie's real struggle to capture why that's interesting at all because it's not. It's a beautifully written novel. It's, uh, in his words, I haven't read it, and it, it explores many facets of human life and endeavor, and yet it is just a, a journalistically styled novel written to explain her experiences in Florida, and it ends without her ever even finding the orchid that she set out to find. And so how does one adapt something so horribly boring? In comes Donald the stupid brother of Charlie who doesn't exist in real life and who is the voice of mass Hollywood who says to everybody, this is not good, this is boring, here's something, here's a serial killer movie, here's a psychological thriller, here's this, here's this. And it's, and it's all those, uh, those voices of doubt. So it's a very interesting 
way of trying to show not only how certain things should stay within the limits of of their origins i guess that's a horrible way to put some things need to be books some things can only be movies some things can only be interesting if they're podcasts of course not this uh it 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 goes along that way and so without wasting any more of your time because there's no reason to do that you're a very busy person we got to get into this week's adaptation with a period specific drinking rules after i waste some more of your time with the most simple thing of all. Oh, yeah, yeah, you know, there was a man, you know, a simple man, you know, he he dipped his toes in water, you know, he drank milk at 2 a.m. when he couldn't sleep, Um, you know, and uh, he ate chicken. And uh, he he had dreams. Um, He had dreams that, you know, one day he could wear braces, you know, and I I mean like braces for trousers, you know, the ones that go over your shoulders and stuff, makes you look like a clown, you know, and uh, he he really wanted to wear those and it's just he couldn't find them, and so he had to settle for a belt, and that made him sad, and you know, a belt's fine, but it's just not braces. You know, you can't pull it out and snap it back. You can't hold it at corners and dance like a cockney. You know, you can't do the Mary Poppins dance on the roof with all the chimney sweepers. It's a, yeah. So he, 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 he just wore a belt. And he pretended sometimes that he was wearing suspenders. Oh, that's what that's what they're called. That's what they're called suspenders. They're not called braces. They're called suspenders. Um, and sometimes he would do that, and he would dance around in his little room, like Dick Van Dyke. Mm, yeah, and just live his life. Wow. Very Clarence Darrow. Those. Uh... Those suspenders? Or was that the other side of that case? I don't I don't know. I'm not gonna pretend to be smart. I don't know anything about law nor books about monkeys. And so I won't be. I'm going to be really happy about the fact that I get to drink for a movie that I like and you have to uh now I guess think about. So yeah, fuck you, I guess. Or whatever. The adaptation specific drinking rules this week are going to be drink for voiceover. There's quite a bit of voiceover in this. And while Brian Cox's uh, silly writing coach character says that it is cheap, we're going to take some cheap shots. Get it? Don't take shots because there's a lot of voiceover. We're going to take a drink anytime. Charlie Kaufman, Nick Cage, second guesses himself. We're going to take a drink anytime. The story switches between timelines, when it goes back to Orlean's book, when it goes back to Charlie, when things are interrupted, when uh, 
you know, you can take this as far as you want. You could you could go into people waking up from dreams or switching back or forward in in regular time, not just uh, entire narrative lines. You could you could switch back and forth between regular times. Drink whenever you want to, basically, for that rule, and really try to concentrate every time you do on on exactly why you're doing it. Then we're gonna drink any time. Nicholas Cage talks to himself, aka any time Charlie talks to Donald. And now that that's out of the way, I, I really don't, I don't think there's anything left for me or for you here. So let's dip a toe into the waters, those murky, warm depths of intoxication. I'll see you on the other side. This episode of Drink 4 dot 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 is sponsored by all the companies profiting off of fear over COVID-19. Are you a person who stocked up on food, water, masks? Are you making homebrew hand sanitizer in your basement, selling it to your neighbors? Well, good. Keep buying things. Buying things is good. Buying things is the only way you can stay safe. Go to www.google.com, search shopping, and enter in promo code drink for dot 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 for 0% off any of your orders. Welcome back from what is another, I suppose, prototypical Charlie Kaufman film in that it is both quite hilarious and reassuring and at the same time horribly horribly bleak and oppressive. Uh, Now, by that, uh, I was about to say of course, but not of course. Only I know what I'm about to, to say because it is uh, uh, all nonsense. And I think that's the point, isn't it? Is that I get to to sit here and indulge uh, my super ego. Or, I don't know, what am I gonna do? Pretend to know what the three fucking psyches are? I don't. I'm going to indulge my regular ego and uh, talk about films that I think I know about, which I don't. And uh, there we go. Charlie Kaufman does a wonderful job at portraying a certain interiority of his characters. He did a great job of it in being John Malkovich and creating these skeevy characters who just wanted to be popular and famous and yet knew to themselves that they sucked and would never really amount to anything. Sounds familiar to one podcaster. And then this film takes all of that angst and self-doubt, self-loathing, I suppose, all that self-doubt bordering on self-loathing, not bordering on quite quite firmly crossing the lines into self-loathing to a whole other level. Now, because we are doing Meta March, this fits perfectly in because this is literally a movie about the struggles the writer faced while writing this movie and we kind of get to see his own interior trepidation while watching it sort of unfold nicholas cage is sitting there wondering what to write he goes back to reading the book 
we get some Susan Orleans scenes with Meryl Streep and is it Chris Cooper? Um, yes, Chris Cooper with uh, Meryl Streep and Chris Cooper. Then we come back to the real world, quote unquote, where uh, Charlie and Donald Kaufman are arguing about how to write films, how to do all these other things. And it, it certainly presents a very interesting picture of what it's like to write a film as someone who's never written a film. More than, uh, more than probably one scene, I believe. I had to write five pages of a screenplay recently just to, to prove to people that I really didn't want to do it. And uh, yeah, it, it, I confirmed it for myself. Really don't, uh, don't want to do it at all. Yeah, I, I don't know what it's like to, to write a film, but Charlie Kaufman does not make it look very fun. I guess in, in so telling this story about how difficult it was to adapt a book that is so out there and narrativeless and sort of an extended version, I suppose, of a New York Times column about a man who is just sort of hell-bent on collecting orchids. It doesn't really fit in with so many of the Hollywood narratives that we would otherwise see, hear about, and be enamored with. The Orchid Thief may or may not be a good book. I have no idea, nor do I think that that really matters. What I do think matters here is that in telling this story, Charlie Kaufman's doubts present themselves quite interestingly as Donald, this person who we know as an audience does not exist. Charlie Kaufman does not have a twin brother, but that interior doubt that we see through and here, I suppose, through all of the voiceover that Nicolas Cage gives himself. Donald becomes a physical manifestation of that. The ease with which he could write a Hollywood blockbuster film with all of these stupid characters. He keeps goading his brother Donald, who's trying to write a script to impress their mom about serial killers, a taut psychological drama uh, in which various things happen. Doesn't really matter what happens because it doesn't really become part of this film in, until the climax. But it, it does quite palpably, for me at least, represent the self-doubt that must be present in any Hollywood writer sort of trying to make it big and balancing a version of, well, this is what's popular and this is my vision. Where in the middle of these two things can I land and be successful and true to my own self? And that, that for me is one of the most interesting parts of this film is watching a fictionalized Charlie Kaufman deal with and navigate through Hollywood's system of dealing with various artists that it has at its disposal. It, it's flattery. Tilda Swinton's um, Valerie Thomas is wonderful as this all-powerful agent that will take you for lunch 
and build up your self-confidence and tell you that you can uh, accomplish the world while at the same time you know that she is lying it's and, and nothing she says will ever mitigate that self-doubt you have charlie kaufman's girlfriend she's uh, english or south african or australian or she's something I, I really don't know you have her wow you're so interesting you're you're so this and you're so that and uh i suppose to a much sweeter degree than uh, swinton's agent you have that character who does truly believe in you because you are great and uh, your own ability to completely disavow any of that and to not believe it whatsoever because the the poison that comes along with anxiety and depression and so much of how creativity is portrayed in Hollywood that 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 crippling sense of dread quite effectively permeates this film which makes it let me tell you guys ripe for getting shit faced to this is one of those ones you probably shouldn't drink for dot 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 i am not sure i know why i picked it because it's easy from a meta perspective and it is technically a comedy but this is fucking bleak holy shit this is so hard to just sit around and watch your own life go down the toilet uh, as as portrayed by fat nicholas cage what a fucking depressing thing Ooh, yikes i guess it was probably a bad choice in in, in that respect and in probably many other uh, such respects but as they say in this poisonous hellscape that is Hollywood. The show must go on. Um, I'm not sure for how much longer. I, I'm not really sure what I could possibly say about this film. Other than uh, it really does, I guess, teach you, if you are so inclined, how difficult it is to write a script. And yet, quite a few of the very essential rules for writing a script, uh, you, you wouldn't necessarily get punished for sticking to your artistic guns as Charlie does, as is evinced by the success of both this and being John Malkovich. But you could also learn from the quite inspirational tale of Donald Kaufman and um, I believe it's Brian Cox who plays some hilariously named writing expert who teaches him and at the same time the audience how the writer's self-help uh what are they called motivational speeches go you know that that's a very interesting scene in itself donald loves going to these writers workshops cox's character is the teacher of those courses when Charlie reaches his absolute low point, he decides to go to the course during which he is completely berated for not being able to find a single thing in his story to tell. And Brian Cox gives a very wonderfully impassioned uh, and yet entirely rehearsed 
and caustic speech about wasting his time and the fact that uh, every day somebody makes the choice to save somebody else's life, makes the choice to end somebody else's life. Every day a man cheats on his wife with his best friend and all these various other uh, sun dancey sort of pitches for movies and the idea that finding a story is quite easy making it seem attainable and easy while we still have to watch charlie be so fucking bad at it and be so horribly downtrodden while trying to to write his own thing and and in that way this sort of plays out that beautiful dichotomy of creativity of believing how easy it is to write something successful but i can't do that thing i have to stick to my own guns i have to write poetry on my own terms i have to record a podcast on my own terms i have to do this own thing for me because you know what people are going to respect me automatically from what i do and then get nothing from it whatsoever realize that it's shit all the self-doubt that goes into that because you pour yourself all of yourself into this thing that obviously does not get respect it does not earn respect it's nothing new, it's nothing different, it's nothing special. And Donald represents the beauty of the simplistic, the beauty of connecting with as many people as possible, of bending in those steadfast morals that you may or may not be keeping for whatever reason, of trying to write something that appeals people and reach out and connect charlie isn't good at life here he's terrible at life he makes bad decisions he keeps misstepping and we get much more drunk for it donald is an outgoing perfect idealistic self and he doesn't care about making a joke that falls flat he doesn't care about writing trite dialogue. He doesn't care about having a script that reads like so many others. He is doing it because it's fun for him. And isn't that a wonderfully special lesson to take away about creativity? And you know, even for our efforts, we could probably get the standing slow clap of ovation. Standing slow clap ovation standing ovation slow clap slow clap standing ovation it's one of those options that i've just laid out from the let's say the daisies they are there's some flowers shown in uh, an increasingly fast motion in the end so the uh the flowers are shot obviously open while it's sunny out in the middle of Los Angeles and then at night the, the petals close up because they do that. I don't know why flowers do that. I majored in film, not fucking biology. But they close at night and then, you know, the fast speed camera keeps going and keeps going. So 
you can imagine, you've seen a flower. They have petals, they open, and then they close. Imagine that, you know, speeding up. There you go, slow clap. It's not that hard. Not that hard to analyze film. Trust me, I've been doing it drunk for months and no one's noticed. Absolutely easy. And on that critical bombshell, go. Fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs>